I want to welcome you. I know that we have thousands of people throughout the city that are watching and really throughout the country that are watching second live stream online. So glad you can be with us right now today, wherever you are in your home or apartment. Welcome, 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 welcome. Man, what a crazy week we've had. Insane. Think about it. For some of us at the beginning of the week on Monday, our biggest worry was who is going to win The Bachelor. And then we end the week with the biggest worry, where in the world can I buy some toilet paper? So it has been a crazy roller coaster ride uh, here in our city, in our country. Uh, but we are here today, and I'm so glad you've chosen to take time out on this Sunday to worship with our Second Baptist family across the city and across the nation. Speaking of the nation, our president has called us to a national day of prayer. So right now, I wanna invite you, wherever you are, if you can find some space, unless you're in the car, don't do this, but find some space to kneel as we go to the Lord in prayer and lift up our country and lift up our city during this time of need. Father, I thank you so very much that though we're not gathered in churches and worship centers today, we are gathered in your name. And I thank you that where two or more are gathered, you were in their midst. And God, right now, as a church, we lift up our president, we lift up our governor, our mayor, all of our officials and leaders and first responders, you'd give them wisdom and courage and guidance. God, we lift up our scientists and those in our medical community who are searching for vaccines and to help out during this time of need. God, be with them. Lord, we also lift up those that are sick here in Houston and around the country, around the world. God, comfort them and heal them. May they know your presence today, right now, on this Sunday, is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. As you know, every time we are hit with a problem or a crisis, this is a great opportunity for us as a church and for us as individuals. Every crisis we have is an opportunity. As I look back, being a part of the Second Baptist family for well over 20 years now, I think about some of the crises that we've been through. We made it through Katrina, we made it through Ike, we made it through Harvey, and we will make it through the coronavirus. I have no doubt about it. So I know a lot of you are probably wondering, well, what are we gonna do as a church, um, as a church family? Because in the past, as you know, we have trained and mobilized tens of thousands of volunteers to make an impact whenever our city or country is, has a great time of need. So if you'll just be patient with us and hold on, we are already consulting with officials from DC, from Austin, right here in Houston. Also, we're talking to our medical, medical professionals right here in our, in our church, in our city. So we will be ready to respond uh, with our volunteers, with our community when the time is right. So hold on, we'll communicate that to you at the appropriate time. And then we as a church family will roll up our sleeves as we do every crisis and make a difference and meet the needs of people in our community. So, interesting story. So, um, I don't know, weeks ago, I knew I was gonna 
speak and preach on these two Sundays during the spring break holidays. So I was thinking about, you know, what, what do I need to preach on? What, what should we talk about on these two Sundays? Now, as I was thinking and contemplating and, and about what we're going to talk about and look in these next two weekends, I had no idea that the coronavirus situation was going to intensify. We would be in the place that we are now. So that's, that's an important um, parenthesis, if you would, to the story. So I was thinking about our church family. You know, we have a very large church community. We have six campuses, seven campuses, counting our online campus. We have people who gather in our worship centers every single week from all over the world. Houston is an international city. Our church is an international church. People from all different backgrounds gather on Sunday morning, all different places on their spiritual journey. But again, to think about what are some of the things that unite us? And one of the things that unite us is that we are all going through something. I mean, some of us here, or a lot of us here, are going through a time of loss, a time of grief. We've lost a loved one or a friend, and we're trying to get through that time. Others of us are going through a difficult financial time. We're going through issues at work, and we're trying to wonder how are we going to make it through that. Others of us are going through a time of relationship brokenness. We're trying to figure out how can we rebuild that area in our life. And there's a lot of hurt and pain as we're trying to walk through that. Some of us are struggling with an addiction or we have a loved one that is struggling with an addiction and we're trying to make it through that. So as I was thinking about our church family and the different challenges that we face, I thought, you know, these two weekends on spring break will be a good time to try to answer this question. And that is, how do you get through what you're going through. Again, I didn't know we would be in the same spot that we're in today. I didn't know we'd be meeting online and going through this time of social distancing, if you would. So I thought about that as it got closer to this weekend. And I said, I'm not gonna change my message at all because it was almost like God had already prepared my heart and my mind to start dealing with what we're all going through as we're processing and making our way through this time of uh, this coronavirus. So thank you so much for being here, for tuning in to our service live online. We'll let you know if we'll continue to meet. We'll always continue to meet online. We're always on li online live every single weekend anyway. But if we start gathering in worship centers uh, in places, we'll let you know about that in the near future. So the question I do want us to answer today and next week is this, how are we gonna get through what we are going through. How are we going to do that? Now, if you've been through a crisis in your life, if you've been through a personal challenge or relationship challenge or a financial challenge at work, you know that the greatest temptation during a time like now is to project yourself into an unknown and uncertain future. In other words, you start worrying about what's going to happen on Monday, what's going to happen on Tuesday, what will happen next week, next month, and you start to get worried, you start to get anxious, you start to get panicked about something that hasn't happened yet. And that's a dangerous place to be. 
when you're trying to process, when you're trying to navigate a challenge, a problem in your life, or, you, or we're going through a crisis together like we all are right now as a country and really around the world. It's so easy to get way ahead of ourselves. And when we get way ahead of ourselves and we start to worry and we start to freak out and we start to panic, then we experience all these negative emotions that can, that can prevent us from getting through what we're going through. I realize right now it's a time of great uncertainty and unknowns. That's just how it is. That's where we are. But I'm thankful that we have great people in our city, great people in our country that are working on this problem. And I really think the more information we get from our medical community, from doctors and other leaders, I think the more this situation will begin to calm down and will begin to attack what's really going on in our country. But I realize the uncertainty. I um, was talking to a friend of mine recently who has a, a, a loved one, his mom, who's in the has been in and out of the hospital with a respiratory disease and she is uh, in, in her late 70s and he's very, very concerned about her. I have family that's spread out all over the country. My, my youngest daughter is in California. I don't know if she can ever, when she's gonna be able to come back to Houston or what she's doing. She's there with her roommates and we have all kinds of uh, situations and challenges during this time. But again, we can't cave in to the temptation to get way too far ahead of ourselves, to get worried and overly anxious and panicked about stuff that hasn't happened yet. So here's what I do. Whenever I'm faced with a, with a crisis or a problem in my life, one of the things I do or where I go to in the Bible is I go right to the middle of the Bible. I go to the book of Psalms. And the reason I go to the book of Psalms is because, well, I'm an idiot, and Psalms is right in the middle of the Bible. And, and us guys, we like things simple. I do. Just open right to the middle of the Bible, and bam, there are the Psalms. You may be wondering, why do you go to the Psalms? I go to the Psalms because the Psalms are so raw and so real and so full of emotion and passion. David and the other writers, they lay it all out on the line. So many times, if I'm going through a time of crisis in my life, if I'm trying to get through what I'm going through with God, I will find a psalm and hold on to that. I like Psalm 86. Some people like Psalm 43. Others like Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm. But find a psalm during this time that you can turn to and pray out and keep it in front of you. It will help you make it through this time. Now, another book I turn to, I say it's not an unusual book, but I think it's not a typical book that we go to during times of crisis, but I found it very, very helpful, is the book of 2 Corinthians. I could very easily name or rename this book in the Bible, 2 Houstonian, because it relates so much to who we are and where we are as a society and a city. But in 2 Corinthians, I like this book because Paul really gives us some practical and pragmatic advice on how to get through what we're going through, how to see this particular crisis as an opportunity for God to do something deep in our life and deep in our church community. Paul is an expert at handling crises. He's got a PhD in that. He was thrown in prison many, many times. He was whipped many times. 
He was stoned with rocks and Lystra, almost left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He experienced sleepless nights, hunger, dangers everywhere. And in 2 Corinthians, he lays all that out and tells us how he made it through. So let's check it out. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 following. Look at it right there on your screen or phone or however you are viewing this worship service right now. Paul says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to, to, to torment me. Three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, I grew up in the church. I've heard this story many, many times. I know about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And for a long time, I didn't get it. I just thought Paul had this problem, this thorn, and he just went to God one time in prayer and went, God, please take it away. Lord, please take it away. Lord, please take it away. And that was it. But when you really look at the context of this verse, when you start studying uh, the background of it, you realize this was not a, a one-shot problem. This is not like Paul play, praying for a few days for a problem that was very painful to go away. No, commentators believe that Paul had been praying for God to do something in his life, for God to heal him, for God to change this thorn for months and for many years. God, take it away. Lord, change this situation. Lord, heal this person. And Paul pressed in and pressed in and pressed in day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. So what happens next? What does God do? Again, this is Paul here. Paul's the guy who had seen the supernatural hand of God, the power of God, like nobody's business. He saw dead people come back to life. He'd see, he saw lame people walk. Blind people were healed. They could see again. This guy had seen mighty miracles of God, but he couldn't do anything about his own crisis, his own thorn. It's almost like God was saying, no, Paul, I'm not going to heal you. I'm not going to fix this situation right away. But what is God going to do? Look at verse 9. Check it out. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, Paul's writing now, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Again, Paul is pleading. He's asking God, God, change this circumstance. God, heal this throne. Lord, help me. And it's like God says, no, I'm not going to do that. But he said, Paul, I'm going to teach you how you can make it through, how you can make it through and deal with this painful thorn. So how did he do it? How did Paul get through what he's going through? How are we going to get through what we're going through? Three things will help us out today. Again, part two is next week. Hang on. But three things for today. First of all, the way we're going to get through what we're going through is this. Is that we're going to learn to take it 
one day at a time. We're going to take it one day at a time. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Again, he's saying, don't get anxious. Don't worry. Don't panic about an uncertain and unknown future. Tomorrow is not here yet. Next week is not here yet. All we have is this moment right here and right now. That's all we have. So Jesus is saying to Paul, he's saying to us, if we're going to get through what we're going through, we have to learn how to live and take it one day at a time. Now, maybe you're saying, well, that's easy. No, it's not. If someone tells you, uh, they hear that, oh, just take it one day at a time, live one day at a time, that's so easy. It's not easy. You probably have never done that, had to live in that type of existence. Now, obviously, the Bible also tells us we have to plan. We, we are planners. We do prepare. So we do plan. We do prayer. Uh, we do prepare. We do have a long view. But we have to, especially in time of crisis, learn to live in this very moment, in this very minute, in this very hour, and take it one day at a time. Something really helped me understand this. Uh, it happened in my, my life years ago. And when I was a, a little kid, uh, living in Taylor, South Carolina, which is right outside of Greenville, we had a lady come and speak at our church whose name is Corey Ten Boom. Now, a lot of you know who Corey Ten Boom is, but some of you have never heard of her. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She was a, a Dutch lady who, during World War II, was put into some of the most brutal Nazi concentration camps known to mankind, her and her sister Betsy. Now, her sister Betsy died in a concentration camp. She didn't make it out, but Corey Ten Boom a very devout Christian lady, somehow, someway, made it through those concentration camps and out on the other side. Again, daily, hourly, she had to face the darkness, the suffering, the pain, the death, the fear, the uncertainty, the unknown, every single day for months and years on end. But to meet her, and I met her, many years later, was to meet a lady who had so much passion and so much joy and so much peace about her. Someone asked her one time, they said, Corey, how did you do that? How in the world did you make it through those grueling moments, those grueling days in that dark, dark, difficult concentration camp? And she asked, answered them by telling the story. She said, you know, when me, me, when me and my sister were little girls, uh, train travel was the way we got around Holland at the time. And many times we'd want to go take a trip to Amsterdam to visit someone. So she said, my father would buy us a, a train ticket weeks in advance before the trip. But he would hold on to it and not give it to us because he was afraid we might lose it. So she said, you know, my father would give us the ticket the day that we needed it, the day that we were on that journey to take that trip. And she said, you know, the same thing was true when I was in those concentration camps. I didn't have the strength 
to make it on my own. I didn't have the power to make it on my own. But she said, every single day, God gave me the grace and the strength, the power to make it through when I needed it. She learned in the most difficult crisis, in the most painful spot to live one day at a time and depend upon God to meet her need in that moment. Listen, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. God is no respecter of persons. So whatever crisis you're going through personally or what we go through as a community together in this coronavirus time, God is there to meet our needs and to provide for us what we need one day at a time. So how are we gonna get through what we're going through? The first thing we're gonna do is learn to take it one day at a time. The second thing we're gonna learn how to do is this, is we're gonna do the next right thing. So many times people ask, well, how do you live one day at a time? How do you take it one day at a time? Well, you simply allow your day to unfold. Jesus said in that same message in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. His righteousness is our obedience. It's doing that next right thing. And doing the next right thing doesn't have to be complex. You don't have to worry about it. Again, a crisis, a challenging time in our life can be a time to simplify things. So right now, you're doing the next right thing. You've chosen in the midst of this weekend to take time out to worship with your friends and family members in, in a home, in an apartment, wherever you are, watching on a phone or a computer or a TV set. You've chosen to do that because why? It's Sunday. And though we're not gathering in a worship center right now, you want to worship God and you want to hear what God is saying to you and to your family during this time of crisis. So you're doing that right thing right now. So what's the next right thing? Well, perhaps after the service is over, maybe you need to get a bite to eat. Some of you may need a second or third cup of coffee. I don't know. That's the next right thing. What do you do after that? Maybe you need to wash clothes after that. Maybe you need to run an errand after that. And then after that, maybe you need to prepare something for tomorrow for work and you need to look at a financial issue. There's so many things you do, but doing the next right thing, seeking his righteousness first, is simply taking things one event, one task at a time. That helps us to stay in the moment that God has given us, not worrying about tomorrow, as Jesus said in Matthew 6, and doing that next right thing and allowing our day to unfold naturally, leaning and depend, depending upon God's provision and presence. The last thing, third thing we do to get through what we're going through is to trust in the power of God. I love this passage. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul says, when I am weak, I am strong. When I'm going through hardships and difficulties, that's an opportunity for me to access the power and the grace that God has for me. Now again, Paul was a man's man. He was a tough guy. Just read those other chapters in 2 Corinthians 6 and 11, chapter 4, about all the incredible physical and emotional things he went through. 
David, who wrote those Psalms, was a tough guy. He was a warrior. Yet at the same time, they knew that there were events and challenges in their life that were too great for them to handle alone. They knew that during those times of pain and darkness and during those times when they were at the end of their own rope, that God's power and His provision were there. So as we're moving forward in these days today, this Sunday, we're going to trust in God's power, one day at a time, doing the next right thing, following Him in wisdom so that we can be strong, so that we can know the power of God in our life. I think about the story about the Israelites when they were coming out of slavery and bondage and God was providing them manna from heaven. Do you remember that? Every day God would rain down manna from heaven for their breakfast and their food, and they would go gather it up. And some of them said, hey, this is a great idea. I'm going to get more than I need, more than my family needs, and I'm going to hoard it. But you know what happened? They couldn't do it. They couldn't hoard the manna because the manna would get rotten and it's stale. It's the same thing with trusting in God, the same thing Paul experienced and we're going to experience. We have to depend upon God's power and God's provision every single day. That's the way God designed it. That's the way God designed us. So as we march through, as we pray through, walk through this crisis, which is a challenge and an opportunity for us, we're going to do it by taking it one day at a time, doing the next right thing, and trusting in God's power and provision in a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis. And He will provide what we need when we need it. Just like He did for the Israelites, just like He did for Corrie Boom, just like He's done in my life, He can do it in yours. If you open your hand and open your heart to His power and love and forgiveness. Even in weakness and brokenness, God's strength is there and shines through. And that's the gospel, isn't it? The gospel is God takes an event, God takes a crucifixion, execution, a cross, the ultimate sign of weakness and defeat, and turns it into a symbol of victory and power. That's what God is able to do. And God can do it in our life as we walk through this crisis, which is an opportunity for all of us. His word to you. His word to me. His word to all of us as a family and as a city are this. Be strong and courageous. For I am with you, says the Lord. Be strong and be very courageous. Don't be discouraged. Don't be despondent. Live one day at a time, doing the next right thing in my power. Be strong and courageous, for I am with you, says the Lord. That's our challenge. That's our opportunity as we walk through this time in our city and our land and our world. And that's how we're going to get through 
what we're going through. 